Hello and welcome to episode two of the Drone Mentor podcast. Welcome to episode two of the Drone Mentor podcast. I'm Matt Williams. I am the Drone Mentor. And today, uh, based on really the feedback from you guys over since the first episode went live over the last week or so, um, I thought I'd bring you a little bit further on in the journey. Last week I gave you kind of the journey to me becoming the drone mentor and thank you to all of you who listened last week, a few hundred of you who listened um, at the time of doing this a week later and lots of you got in touch and the feedback you gave and the the kind of reviews and the questions that you sent in via email. Um, if you want to do that, by the way, you can get hold of me, hello at thedronementor.com. Um, please feel free to drop that in. I'm doing this for you guys, for the community, to help you learn, build and grow. That's what this is all about. But from that, lots of you wanted to know how we got started in the drone industry, how we kind of went from zero to where we were um, and I think I'm going to try and boil that down into 20, 25 minutes or so. Hopefully um, it may go longer. Um, you know, if it does, then that, I guess that's cool, right? Um, let me know how long you want these things to be. Um, there was a, a very mixed bag of feedback from that respect. But once a week, I'm going to try and bring you a kind of half an hour um, podcast. And then there will be other little bits that come out on the YouTube channel and places like that. So make sure you go and check out those different places you can get hold of the content on the way. But this week, I'm going to talk about how we went from zero to £960,000 worth of revenue in our first year. And as exciting and as amazing as that sounds, actually, I think the most important takeaway from this is going to be that although we did 960 grand in our first year, which is absolutely incredible. It's an unbelievable amount of money. There was an unbelievable amount of work that went in, into that. The challenges that we faced and, and overcame in the most part were also monumental. But then we almost lost everything. And um, and I think that's a really important message. So I'll, I'll come round to that. Um, and hopefully this is an interesting learning journey and, and an interesting thing for you guys to to kind of take on and absorb because I think nowadays with the industry as it is um, bearing in mind we got into it before there really was a drone industry nowadays it'd be very difficult to get to those kind of numbers very quickly um, I think they are potentially achievable if you are able to scale like we tried to scale in that first year um, and, and actually did achieve, I guess, because we managed to to generate that revenue. But then what we didn't realise in terms of scale is is quite important. And, and I, or I don't want anyone here to make the same mistake. So, you know, potentially obtainable um, if you do things right, but you've got to really hammer home the the lessons that I'm going to bring to you, not just now, but potentially on the journey through the drone mentor um, process and life cycle as we bring more of these out to you as I drop more content over into the drone mentor membership area when that goes live and into the courses that we bring out. But, you know, going back to the very start, um, I mentioned in the initial podcast that I was obsessed with aviation and I was obsessed with um, film and photography. And because of that, I was able to meld the two together quite well. But that being said, 
you don't need to be obsessed with aviation. You don't need to be a manned aviation helicopter pilot instructor. Um, you know, you don't need to have any of that background. For me, you need to be obsessed about something, okay? And and for me, really, I've learned over the years that there's something that you need to be obsessed with is helping other people. It's delivering a product or a service for other people. It's doing something that helps either facilitate another business and provides them with a solution. But now for me, and the reason I do do it, I'm doing the drone mentor thing is for actually a bigger cause. It's, it's for me, it's not just for my family, it's for you and your family. It's for you and to try and um, help you better what you're doing now and, and make life better for yourself and your friends and your family. And I think that's a really important point that underpins everything that I'm going to bring to you in the future. But the lesson that I'm going to bring to you this e this evening and tonight or whenever it is um, that you're listening live to me now. And really, because I was obsessed with those things, I had learned, you know, all about composition, about exposure, about how to um, how to take good photographs, how to um, make good content that looked quite good straight from the get-go. And this is key, really. If you're not in a place where you can do that, then if that's what you want to do, you've got to put the time in. You've got to commit yourself to learning that, okay? And you've got to put that effort in. It's not going to come for free. And nowadays, you have got to do something that makes you stand out. The thing that we did at the time that made us stand out from other people was that we marketed ourselves really hard. We put ourselves in the right places. We never said no to an opportunity, but we generated those opportunities. Um, we didn't wait for them to come to us. So, you know, those of you who've been listening so far, those of you who've listened to me in the past will know that I say it's not about getting a drone, a, a license or a certificate or a qualification and a website. It's about a lot more than that. It's about working out where you can provide value and deliver value to somebody else that they are willing to pay you for. Okay. There are still, as I take, as I kind of, um, record this podcast and make these videos today, there are still people out there who will pay 12 to 1500 pounds a day for a good drone pilot. How do I know that? Because there are people who are asking me to go and fly for them now and are offering to pay me twelve to fifteen hundred pounds a day. There are people who I speak to on a regular basis and have worked with and have worked for me, and I've done work for them in the past in the drone industry um, at very high levels who are being offered that money and are being paid that money. So the opportunities are there still to do what we did. Um, I, I think the biggest thing, though, is working out what you want to do. OK, um, the one of the big mistakes we made, um, not the biggest mistake we made, but one of the big mistakes we made in the first year was a blessing and a curse at the same time. It was a blessing because it helped us get to the levels of revenue that we did. But it was also a curse because it spread us too thin. And that was not drilling down and becoming specialists in any one particular area. At the time, everyone wanted drone work or everyone, I'll rephrase that slightly, I think everyone was interested in seeing what a drone could bring to them and what it could provide to their business. 
you know, we've got the usual, right? We've got estate agents reaching out to us for photographs and for videos. We'd got um, oil companies reaching out to us to see if we could do videos of flare stacks. We'd got and other energy companies reaching out to us to say, can you come and do a 3D model of our platform? Can you come do a 3D model of our gold mine? Can you come and do a 3D models of these assets that we've got? We've got construction companies saying, can you come out and actually provide us with a, um, a survey point cloud um, that would normally be done on the ground with someone with a theodolite? Can you come and do that for us and provide us with a, a detailed 3D map and do volume analysis and things like that? And at the time, what we did was we very quickly built a small team. We very quickly um, got ourselves in branded vehicles and in branded um, clothing and got ourselves on all the social media networks and got ourselves out there. And we had a kind of internal motto, if you like, where we said no to nothing. We said yes to everything. We always we found a way to do everything. And the way we funded that in the initial stages, by the way, was we would only take on a contract with a company if it would cover the cost of the equipment that we needed. So, for example, if we were going to go and do a contract where we surveyed a load of gold mines around the world, we did that. We made sure that the contract value and the deposit for that, and, and this was a big part of what we learned later, was having a, a an even tighter contract than that which we started off with, um, covered, that deposit covered the capital outlay. And I think that was hopefully a smart move. It meant that we survived through that rapid expansion phase. Um, I, I personally, just to take a little tangent on that, I, I personally now looking back would probably have kept the money in the bank rather than buying those assets. I think I would have leased them because as we found out, actually what happened was we ended up sat on hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of capital expenditure, you know, aircraft that cost £40,000 a time, um, if not slightly more or quite considerably more in some cases. And yet yeah, we'd paid for them through the contract values, but then they weren't worth much because after a year, the service life on them, we utilised heavily um, and or the next level or two of technology had come out. So those assets worth, weren't then worth very much. So um, I think one of the things I would definitely change alongside the main point I'm going to make here is that we would probably look to asset finance most things, but your personal circumstances will vary. That's just one of the, the, the key takeaways, I think, from that. And we could then have used that money that we'd have kept in the bank to expand in terms of staffing and stuff and infrastructure, which is the main point I'll, um, I'll come on to later. But yeah, so we said no to nothing. We said yes to everything. Um, and that meant that we ended up doing lots of different things, which was awesome because on the one hand, we grew an amazing portfolio. We grew an incredible pool of talent. We grew our capabilities massively. I mean, we were at one point we spent um, kind of around £50,000 on computer equipment just so we could generate 3D maps more quickly. But that was the kind of you know, volume of work that we were getting, the the value of the contracts that were coming in at the time. And those things are still available now, guys, by the way. The, you know, you could still go out and get that kind of work. It is still out there. Um, 
and again I, I know that because we're been offered it and we pass it on to our community but yeah it's um it's really interesting i think that that journey that it took us on but we also went down the route of for example setting up the training school and qualifying hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people um you know and, and we spread ourselves out one of the ways i think it's interesting though we we then started to drill down into okay cool We've had a really good first kind of two, um, two quarters, three quarters of, of this business year. What do we want to concentrate on? What really floats our boat? And at the time, for me in particular, you know, we had our teams going out and doing the surveying and the mapping and things like that. For me in particular, I wanted to get back to the roots that I had, which was doing, I wanted to do film and TV. Okay, I wanted to be on Hollywood films. I wanted to be doing commercial TV. Um, and, and that then was like, okay, cool. So where do we go to get ourselves in front of those clients? Okay. So I think you need to ask yourselves that question. If you want to get into this game and you want to be successful, it's not a case of what drone do I need? What's the best drone out there? Because the best drone out there is the best drone for your client and and the data that they want okay going out and buying you know an a free fly alta x with a an ari alexa mini camera underneath and a movi pro gimbal is awesome if that's what your client is looking for they're looking for that stabilized data from an ari alexa but that would be useless to go and take to a gold mine in peru um because it wouldn't be the most efficient way of getting that and it wouldn't be a suitable aircraft to go and capture that data with you know you'd be wanting something like an eb or a winktra drone at the time of shooting this of recording this that those would be the kind of things that you would want to go and get if you wanted to map gold mines and do huge areas because those are the things that then allow you to capture that but then conversely, you wouldn't want to take that. You wouldn't be able to take that onto a film set and capture Hollywood data. So it's about what your client wants, your dream client wants. It's about then thinking, right, OK, so if that if my this is my dream client for me at the time, film and TV, what do they want? Well, for us, they wanted to they would want us to fly stabilized film cameras. OK, cool. So what aircraft do we need? And at the time we went down the um, the free fly Roots and um, bought the Alta 8s and Alta 6s um, when they first came out. We also bought um, a, a drone, a very heavy lift drone from a company at the time called Intuitive Aerial called Aragon, um, which was a 12 bladed, uh, massive 12 bladed drone, um, lots of built in redundancies um, and very popular on film sets when it first came out because of those safety features that it had built in. Very, very expensive, as I'm sure you can imagine, but great for that job, um, but pretty much that job alone. And what we did was we purchased this equipment and I then said, OK, cool. So where do we need to be to put ourselves in front of the dream client? And in the UK, the best place for us to do that was at Pinewood Studios. Okay, that's where most of the big movie houses are, where most of the big um, kind of production companies have offices and have personnel, and it's where lots of filming obviously takes place. Um, actually, at Pinewood Studios, and I found out that you could get offices there. So what did we do? 
we set up an office at Pinewood Studios. And albeit we didn't necessarily have people working at that office, it meant then that we had an address at Pinewood Studios. We could put that on our website and say, we are at Pinewood Studios, come and see us and organise a meeting. And what we did was I would go down with the branded clothing on, we'd have the branded, we had a, a, an, an amazing branded truck, um, a big Toyota Hilux that we had fully wrapped in a custom wrap with pictures of the Alta 8 on it and all sorts of stuff. It was really cool. It cost a fortune to get done, but that money, that outlay on that marketing spend came back in the first job that we did. Um, well, less than the first job, you know, it was the deposit for the first job was the two, two and a half grand or whatever it was to get this truck wrapped. And it sat in the Pinewood Studios car park, you know, drone operations, um, aerial experts, uh, and people got in touch. And because we were seeing in the places that we wanted to be seen in, I would go and have lunch most days when I was available in my branded clothing in the canteen where all of the cast and the crew and the production company staff, where all of them went and ate. And from that, that started the conversations like, oh, what do you guys do? Because you're here all the time, you know, well, not all the time because I was out working and flying a lot. But that started those conversations like we've seen you guys here and it's like, oh, we need a drone for our production. OK, well, let's have a chat then. And we showed them the aircraft and we showed them what we could do. We showed them the work that we had done and that we were doing and that we were capable of. We showed them the cameras that we could fly, the systems we could get airborne. And that then got us an in into some fairly major productions. Um, the other thing that kind of came off the back of that was going to functions. So it was all about the networking and the network that we built up in and around ourselves, primarily, if I'm honest, for that audience at Pinewood Studios. You know, we went to the charity meals that they had on. We went to the evening functions that they had on. We went to the networking meetings that they had on that you could only get into if you were a tenant. Um, we went to quite a few premieres and things like that. So it was a really exciting and interesting time. And a lot of work came from that in the exact industry that we wanted to be or exact sector within the industry, the vertical within the industry that we wanted to be in or that I wanted us to be in. And that was incredible. And that's the kind of way you need to be thinking. You know, if your dream is to be the biggest kind of provider of drone services to for solar farms and, um, you know, doing the, the surveys for the solar panel companies, then you need to be getting yourselves in front of them. You need to work out who is my dream client? What kind of work do I want to be doing? Where's the money that you want to chase? Okay. And where, where are you going to be happy if you are away from home? Because this job, by the way, if you want to be successful with it, you're away from home a lot. Do not please get into this business thinking, oh, this is going to be one of those businesses. I can just run it from home. I can go out and do the odd drone job. If you want to do that, that's awesome. If you want to do it as a side hustle, that's cool. You can probably do that. But if you want to earn good money and get big contracts, this is one of those things where you are probably going to be away from home quite a lot. Um, that is the life, particularly of someone who's freelance in production, you know, whether you're a cameraman or woman or a sound person or whatever it is that you do. That's what ends up happening. Likewise, if you're doing, you know, engineering and um, providing those kind of add on services for for construction companies or for energy companies, a lot of their assets aren't going to be on your doorstep. 
you are going to be traveling. You're going to be spending a lot of time away. So make sure that what you decide to get into is something that you are interested in. It is something that you're passionate about. Um, and it is something that you can, you know, look at and you're happy to do for three or four or five years and build up um, because it will become your life. And it, could potentially become all-consuming, okay? Um, particularly at the beginning, particularly if you push hard, particularly if you become successful. Um, you know, it's all well and good once you are known for something, then you can get to pick and choose. But when you're on the way up, when you're trying to make that climb, and maybe if you're not entirely certain exactly what it is that you want to do, but when you're trying to make that name for yourself, you've got to try and be everywhere and be in front of people. And the only way you can do that is by being everywhere and being in front of people. Um, so, yeah, so that... That, I think, is is a really important thing to consider. Um, you'll be away a lot, but you need to work out who your dream client is, how, how you can serve them, how you can deliver a, a solution to them, and then work your way. Uh, you know, I always say start at the end. What's the data the client needs? Who's your dream client? What's the data that they need? How can you get that? And then how can you get in front of them? Okay. Um, and I think that that is really the, the crux of the journey. For us, we nailed that, um, but we nailed it almost, I, I think, too well in the initial stages um, in so much, as I say, we were spread out all over the place and spread far too thin. Um, that meant I was away from home pretty much constantly for the first 12 months of the business. All of the team, apart from the couple of office staff that we had, were away from the business for that first 12 months. Um, and that was cool because it was bringing the money in and we were getting the jobs done but it did mean that we then weren't able to necessarily create a pipeline because the problem you've got is as you generate more business you then have to go and serve that business and serve those clients whilst you're doing that you then don't potentially you know if i was out filming for six weeks on set somewhere I wasn't able to have meetings with people back at Pinewood or in the UK or wherever it may be around the world because I was on set, I was on location filming. So that then meant that it was kind of feast and famine, right, in a way, um, because we didn't have a reliable way of generating leads. We didn't have a reliable way of then converting those leads into prospects and, and working on those prospects. And we then didn't have a reliable way of converting those prospects into clients, and moving people through that that life cycle, through that journey. And that all really came to a head in the, I guess, the final, probably the final quarter of that first year when we were all, you know, high-fiving and um, when we saw each other in the office, you know, it'd be a quick high-five normally as we transferred vehicles and someone offloaded some stuff and, and loaded a van up with something else and we drove it off in a different direction. Um, because it meant that actually then there was very little work, new work, because we got a lot of recurring contracts, which was brilliant, but there was very little new work in the pipeline and being generated and brought through. So actually things then very quickly, when we kind of hit the following spring, fell quite flat. The training was going really well, the, the 3D mapping and stuff was going really well, but at this point we started to take on a load more staff, we started, we'd taken on bigger offices. Our overheads had gone up considerably based on a growth chart that I was looking at 
bear in mind, I'd never done this before. I'd never done this as a, you know, the serious business side of things before. I'd dabbled in things like my computers in the past, um, building computers and a few side hustle things. I'd never had something that was on this kind of trajectory. And I saw this trajectory and I was like, yes, we have made it. We're going to do a million quid in our first year. This is absolutely incredible. I'm going to be living the dream. I'm going to have a yacht in Monaco in five years time not realising that it doesn't quite work like that because that trajectory that we then, we scaled up staff and premises and all this sort of stuff based upon was predicated on the fact that we would continue to grow. And actually what I did quite foolishly now looking back was I hadn't put the systems in place um, to ensure that that business was sustainable. So although we did 960 grand in that first year, which was amazing, I hadn't put in a way for us to generate leads on autopilot. I hadn't put in a way for us to um, to ensure we had this pipeline. We didn't even have a CRM, a customer relationship management system. We didn't have a system to know who owed us money, who we who we'd got as leads, who we'd got as prospects. We'd actually got a literally a diary a black book in the office that when someone called up and they wanted something or they were inquired about something it went in the black book but that was it and if if the the person who whose book it was in was away then that wouldn't get followed up it would we wouldn't have a way of knowing that someone that one of the team had spoken to six weeks ago had said, oh, could you do this job? Or could you come back to us and quote on this? Or could you come back to us and tell us how you would do this or give us a quote for this? If they were away on holiday or if they were away um, ill or if they were away on a job, as I was for up to six weeks at a time, as were lots of the operational team who needed to be involved in these conversations, those conversations were never had. And it really does pain me now to think it's scary to think of the amount of money that we must have left on the table and the amount of people who we must have, pardon my French, pissed off um, by not getting back to them. And I'm sorry if you're listening and you're one of those people, um, but we just didn't have the systems in place. And, and this really is what the drone mentor for me is all about. It's about me being open and brutally honest with you all, um, you know, it looks as though we've got a successful business and potentially to those who are aware of us and who followed the journey and, and are aware of what we've done and who we are and how we do things. But actually, if I'm being honest about it, we could have done so much more if I had known what I know now and what I've learned over the last you know, 14 years, but eight years in particular from running the, the drone business full time, if I'd have known even what a CRM was at the time, let alone how to use it. If I'd known what a lead magnet was so that we could generate leads on autopilot, if I'd known what those things were at the time and then how to use them and how to leverage them to generate this continual flow, this continual pipeline of business, we would be in a very, very different place now. And I dare say I would not be doing this podcast um, with you now. And I certainly wouldn't be doing it from my home in Stoke-on-Trent, right? Um, that that would be a definite. So, yeah, a really, really important thing is that it's, you know, there are a whole bunch of things to master if you want to do this. And I would never 
in the first instance, when you're first starting out, you know, I wouldn't turn work down at first, but I would very quickly get myself to a place where I've got the systems and the infrastructure and the processes in place to support me when I'm out working. Okay. And then very quickly, once you are getting work, once you are earning money, if that's what you want to do with this game, in this industry, with this business, very quickly try and drill down into what it is that floats your boat, what it is that you want to be doing, what it is that makes you want to get up in the morning and makes you happy that to, to go and do the work if you're potentially away from home for a long time. You know, it's not all about the money. It's it's the money and the lifestyle combined, I would suggest. Um, so you've really got to, uh, and your fulfillment, of course, and, and you've got to work out what it is that drives you and what it is that you're going to be happy to do moving forwards. Um, and I think if you can work that out, if you can then put those systems and those structures and that those processes in place, then you will be five years ahead of where I was when I started and only a couple of years behind. And like I say, that's what this is about. It's about you learning from my mistakes and actually from the, not necessarily just the mistakes, the things that hopefully I and our businesses have done correctly over the years, you know, and taking those on board and not copying them necessarily because this isn't about copying them, but use them as a, as a guide, use them as a checklist of things to do, of things to start thinking about, of things to start learning about to move yourself forwards more quickly than I was, you know, to leapfrog those five or six years where it was very difficult for us before we actually realized how to automate things, how to make things genuinely scalable, how to create leads while we're asleep and have people buying our products while we're asleep. Okay. That didn't happen overnight. And regardless of how many people think someone looks like an overnight success, it isn't for us. There is years and years and years of mistakes and hard work and crying and the emotional roller coaster um, that comes along with owning a business um, to understand and uh, and appreciate. And, and if you can take on these lessons that hopefully I'm going to be bringing you, then you'll be in a very good place. What we have done, and um, I, I alluded to it on a YouTube video that I did a few days ago, if you're listening to this live, and you can go and check that out on the channel, youtube.com forward slash the drone mentor. Um, I will, um, there's a, a link to it on the website, on the drone mentor.com website. Um, and I, I kind of talked about it in there. I ran a mentoring program a couple of years ago um, that we called the Two Comma Club at the time. Um, a number of people went on to become very successful. And the things that we taught in there were the processes and the frameworks that we've put in place. What I've actually done is spent the last couple of years, because we actually closed down that mentoring program um, because of the COVID pandemic. And, um, and actually over the last couple of years, what I've done is boiled that down even further into a framework that hopefully anyone who wants to start a drone business can take away. Um, we're calling it the Droner framework, the Droner process. Um, and I will bring more of that to the subscribers to the newsletter um, this week um, onto the Drone Mentor newsletter. So if you want to get the, the inside scoop on this, go to the dronementor.com, go and sign up to join the community in the newsletter at the bottom of the homepage. Um, and I will send you out the outline of the framework and I'll be talking about that in the next episode of the podcast as well. So um, hopefully 
you've found this bit useful. There's a couple of little nuggets in there that um, that you can take away and, um, you know, help you to move forwards. And I'll be bringing you the actual framework, the Drona framework that we have developed over this last couple of years based on our eight years before that of mistakes and successes and highs and lows in the industry um, for you because we want to help you learn, build and grow. So with that, that is me for this episode. Um, I hope you have a great week. I will be back to you or back with you in uh, a week's time. And uh, yeah, please make sure you go to thedronementor.com, sign up to the newsletter, um, go and check out The Drone Mentor on YouTube as well. And uh, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please let me know. It'd be very much appreciated if you could give us a, uh, a review on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. Um, and feel free to get in touch. It's hello at thedronementor.com. Drop me an email. Let me know what you want to hear. Let me know if this has stirred anything or if you, you know, agree or disagree with what I've said or if you'd like to hear anything in particular, please let me know. But until next time, everybody, I've been Matt Williams. I am the Drone Mentor. Fly safe and blue skies. Hello.